Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Septimity and the Blood Brotherhood, written by Derek Haynes. Long after Hal and February the 5th, the Gregorian royal family gene pool has degenerated so badly that the next supreme potentate of Gloth is destined to be a boy idiot whose father died racing him to the palace garden. His father won the race by jumping from the palace roof, screaming, I win! I win! just before meeting his death on a brick pathway alongside a beautiful bed of roses. The death, however, finally provides Septimity and his six brothers the chance to enact Icar. Planned for eons, their dream is to return a pure-blood Glothian to the position of supreme potentate and rid Gloth of all the embarrassing Erdian monkey genes that had infected their planet for almost ever. However, as is the way with plans, not everything goes as it was envisaged, and, as Septimity discovers, the very best way to handle major planning problems is to leave them all until tomorrow and get on with enjoying breakfast. Join Septimity in this third and final Glothic tale and have a fun-filled jiggle around the galaxy. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Septimity and the Blood Brotherhood. 1. Once upon a long time ago. Time is a rather odd concept that can become a bit bendy, stretchy, twisty, slippery, and wobbly which gives those who play with atomic clocks or plan interplanetary luxury class travel the real heebie-jeebies. It's all very well and good when you're standing still in one stable and steady place, but as soon as you move, you're in real time trouble. For those stuck in one place, country, or planet, there are small complexities such as time zones, which are pretty easy to calculate if you can divide everywhere you are stuck upon into little chunks of distance and time. However, one strange little planet dreamt up a very weird time concept they called Daylight Saving. For some reason, the planet Erd decided it could take away a unit of nighttime and add it to daytime and give everyone extra-long warm evenings to enjoy. There was a lot of arguing about the practicalities of this innovation, and while most accepted the change, even given the fact of knowing it was a whole pile of hogwash, other more sensitive Erdians were particularly concerned about the fact that their curtains were fading, their children were getting sunburnt, and their dairy cows were getting awfully confused. In other places, however, there were much more important time issues to consider. When one runs twelve entire sun systems, time control can be a nightmare. With tricky time factors such as warping, twisting, wormholes, black holes, elliptical orbits, and light years, regulating time needed extra specialist attention. Oddly enough, it was an Erdian who solved the issue for the Glothic Empire, the empire in charge of the aforementioned twelve sun systems. As time equals money in most civilizations, controlling it is an absolute economic imperative. Pope Gregory XIII a churchy sort of fellow from the planet Erd, or December the 10th, supreme potentate of the twelve sun systems of Gloth, as he had become known later in life, took it upon himself to solve the time problem once and for all. He simply applied his very own Gregorian calendar to the entire twelve sun systems, and that was the end of the argument. 
People with some inside knowledge knew that it was, in fact, a gentleman named Christopher Clavius who had really done all the hard work on developing this calendar and time concept, but Gregory took it as his own. Although a brilliantly simple solution, the use of the Gregorian calendar, complete with its 24-hour days, seven-day weeks, irregular months, and, of course, the odd leap year thrown in for a little extra confusion, did cause a few problems in certain sun systems and, particularly, on a number of outer planets and moons. Namely, that the periods of light and dark that usually defined a day got all mixed up after applying the rather inapt 24-hour day and led to a lot of concern about fading of curtains, burnt children, and very confused, nasty nocturnal creatures. On some planets, the incoherent new calendar had the bizarre effect of extending people's lives by such an inordinate amount of time that cemeteries were lying idle and undertakers being sent bankrupt due to the fact that people stopped dying at an appropriate age and went on to live for literally thousands of years or more. Although some of these unforeseen side effects were brought to Gregory's attention, he decided, in his infinite wisdom, to ignore them completely, as he was in charge of everything, and it was his calendar. End of discussion. As his lineage would become the Gregorian royal family of Gloth, and rule for millions of years, there was little anyone could do about it. With that said, there were those who tried continually to return the twelve sun systems back to a more local and logical time management system, but they were few and scattered around various planets, moons, and habitable asteroids. They were to become, however, a small thorn in the sight of Gloth, and especially the Gregorian royal family. When Pope Gregory became December the 10th, supreme potentate of the twelve sun systems of Gloth, and the first ever non-Glothic ruler of Gloth, he abolished the time-honored process of electing the supreme potentate from either the aristocracy or high council, and instead installed a hereditary system. This really annoyed a lot of aristocrats and councillors who were now cast out from the palace. The most annoyed was September, the eldest son of December the ninth. He was a shoo-in to have been elected if his father hadn't been silly enough to support Pope Gregory as the new supreme potentate, and September really got upset about the whole episode. He became so much of a nuisance, in fact, that Pope Gregory had him shipped off to a remote little planet called Terra Nova II, and he was never seen or heard of again. Well, for a very, very long time, anyway. It must be said that September wasn't just annoyed about not getting the number one job. He was upset about the time change idea, too. But what really stuck in his throat was that Gloth was now ruled by a family of Erdean mongrels, descendants of the Glothic human, hybridized uniform manipulation and naturalization, and God, Glothic oversight detachment, programs on Erd. They all carried the genetic code of monkeys, apes, and a number of other banana-eating ancestors. With extremely limited resources, September set about a plan to eradicate this Erdean monkey gene from Gloth and restore the rightful rule of pure Glothians. With an overwhelming belief and the courage to overcome many obstacles and difficulties, September managed to contact a few other Glothic aristocratic dissidents and exiles, and together they formed the Blood Brotherhood of Gloth, whose charter was loosely based around the eradication of the aforementioned monkey gene from the face of Gloth, and its twelve sun systems as well. 
September's grandson, Septimity Fishrow, got things moving in a big way when he set up his command post on a remote, ugly moon called Titania. A little dead and very black moon used singularly for smelting plitsimonium, a semi-useful industrial mineral. Orbiting Uranus, it was, however, strategically located as Septimity was able to communicate with a number of nearby sun systems. Even though it was an extremely unattractive place, it became the lonely home to Septimity for a very long time. So isolated, and for so long, in fact, that Septimity cloned himself regularly, every thousand years or so. He believed that this helped in keeping himself fresh and alert, and alive. While having to live underground, as the surface of the planet was deadly poisonous as a result of the eons of plitsimonium ore smelting, he lived a comfortable life, except for the one extended period of time when he, quite by accident, took in a stray Erdian as a boarder. At six foot six and as clumsy as an ox, plus having a nervous allergic affliction that caused him constant sneezing attacks, Hal was a long-term distraction for Septimity. Sep, as he was known better to the very few, found a radical solution and managed to get Hal back to Erd, and at the same time, fulfill his blood brotherhood commitments and prevent Hal's Erdian genes from spreading anywhere near Gloth. Sep's plan went very well, and Hal was successfully shot back to Erd. However, Sep would never get to know that his plan resulted in Hal accidentally hitting a CTC, which is short for a closed time-like curve, so Hal's arrival was a little earlier than it should probably have been. Only by a few months, though, it must be said. Had Sep been told about this small miscalculation of his, he would have explained it away with a wave of his hand. What nonsense! People can't travel through time! While this is probably correct, it has been said by others that time has been known to travel through people, from time to time. In any event, it was quite an achievement because up until the successful return of Hal to Erd, which was the first time a strayer Dian had ever been safely repatriated, Sep had been arranging the transport of strayer Dians to Lacertillion, a planet with a pleasant reptile gene-based population that was sympathetic to the cause of the Blood Brotherhood due to the advent of underlying Glothic reptilian racism towards them since the Gregorian royal family came to power. Although descended from lizards, Lacertillians did not look like goannas or crocodiles. Apart from their attractive light green complexion and forked red tongues that continually licked at their thin lips, they were perfectly normal. It must be pointed out, though, that they had claws instead of fingernails, but this usually went unnoticed by anyone as there were specialist Lacertillian manicurists throughout the Twelve Sun Systems who plied their trade in making their claws look awfully similar to rugged fingernails. In consultation with his contacts on Lacertillian, Sep agreed to try and repatriate more Deans back to Erd, when the time was right. However, as Sep's cunning plan involved securing a Hoog battle-class destroyer from under the noses of Glothic High Command and using the Hoog's escape module to shoot Erdians back home, these right times were very few and far between. So few and far between that it had only happened once. Therefore, he started working on a new plan, very unsuccessfully. It would take an awfully long time for one of Sep's distant future clones to stumble on a better solution. 
We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Septimity and the Blood Brotherhood. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.